we tend to read this passage um, as a as a uh, as a defense for why the preaching of the word of God and prayer is important in the church, right? And that the leaders should be devoting themselves to those things and not to maybe quote unquote lesser things. That they had to get back to preaching and praying because the gospel needed to be proclaimed. That's where the real action is. But I think if we do that, we miss out on what this story is actually saying. A large portion of it anyway. Because the, the gospel, Luke says, does spread. It, in fact, it, it makes its inroads now into the priestly class. This should be um, really surprising based on the resistance that the people of God have gotten to this message about Jesus to this point from these very people, right? This should surprise us. But notice this. The reason it gains traction has every bit as much to do with the kind of community we see emerging here as it does with the message that this, this community proclaims. You getting me? The quality of the kinds of relationships that are, that are forming here has every bit to do as much with the gospel spread as the proclamation that Jesus is risen from the dead. You can't do one without the other, and that's Luke's point here. Part of the reason it spreads is not just because the apostles are knocking it out of the park with their preaching and praying. It's because everyone in the community is given a place and is given um, a voice. So we proclaim the good news today that the kingdom of God, it reckons with power because God's love sees how power is used and misused in our world. This means that in communities where Jesus is Lord, the ignored, the silenced, the voiceless, they aren't just included, friends, they're empowered. They're given equity and agency. They aren't just problems to be managed by the, the leaders, they are gifts who have eyes to see what others cannot. Friends, the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, power flows down and out to the margins so that all might flourish. So let us receive everyone as a gift that we all might become whole and the word of God might spread. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this throughout Acts, but there has been this theme of truth-telling in the early part of the book. Uh, Peter and the apostles, they speak to the truth to powerful religious leaders. The community speaks the truth to God in prayer. Look upon their threats. You remember that section? Last week, we saw the destructive consequences of untruthfulness in the community and how God is committed to truth. And now this week, we see the inverse, an ethnic minority group within this community, speaks the truth about their experience to the apostles. And now here's the question. Will these leaders respond differently to truth-telling than those in charge of Israel? Will they be able to receive the truth as well as speak the truth, even when it's uncomfortable for them to hear it? In other words, can they reckon with their own blind spots? Now, um, to understand how surprising their response is, we have to understand who is bringing this complaint to these leaders, all right? 
Luke tells us it was the Hellenistic Jews. Now, um, that's not just an indie rock band. This is like, uh, this is a class of people within Jerusalem, okay? So these are Jewish people, but they are from other parts of the Roman Empire whose primary language was Greek. Why are they in Jerusalem? Many of them are in Jerusalem because of Pentecost. They made a pilgrimage there to be part of the uh, tradition that's happening within the, the city. But it's more than that. Their minority status, along with their language barrier, put them at a disadvantage even among this community, which is itself a minority community, when it came to having their daily needs, needs met. So there, there was a distribution of food among the poor in the community, and, and they realized that they're getting overlooked and forgotten. And so they bring a complaint to the leaders. Hey, our widows aren't getting the same treatment as the other widows. Now, apparently there were a, enough of these Hellenistic widows that this was a major problem. Now, the reason that there are so many Greek widows is, is because dispersed Jews would take a pilgrimage back to Jerusalem especially when they had a family member who was near death. Now, why would they do this? It was because they wanted their family member to be buried close to the temple in Jerusalem. And so they would pilgrim back to Jerusalem from their homes. Their, their husband, father, the patriarch of the family would die. They would bury that person close to the temple as per their wishes. And then once they died... Often what would happen is the widows wouldn't have enough money to return back home again. And so they're stuck there. And so there was this disproportionate number of foreign widows living in Jerusalem. And this created a problem in the city because many synagogues refused to help them because they didn't speak Aramaic. They only spoke Greek. They were told to go to their own people. They were considered a drag on the system and nobody wanted them. Now, Pentecost happens, right? And what happens at Pentecost? The, what's that? Everybody can understand the, what the, the apostles are teaching and preaching. Not just the apostles, but the 120, right? They go out and they speak to all these various tribes in all their various tongues. Who can hear the message for the very first time? These Greek-speaking widows. Who hasn't been treated well in the city of Jerusalem? These Greek-speaking widows. Who floods into the community because now they have a place and are welcomed and accepted for who they are? These Greek-speaking widows. They finally have a home. They finally have a home. But notice, even though they have a home, they and they're included in this new Jesus community, it does not mean that they're automatically treated the same as everyone else. Those that are Hebraic Jews and now Christians or, or followers of the Messiah, those who don't speak their language, don't automatically uh, understand what it's like to be one of these Greek-speaking widows. And because they have blind spots in this community, People suffer even though there is no harm intended. Right? In other words, the, the community now needs to learn not just how to accept them, 
but how to listen to them and how to elevate them to a place of equity. This is important, and this is why Acts 6 comes to us. Because in the kingdom of God, power is reckoned with. Blind spots are looked at. Because in communities where Jesus is Lord, the ignored, the silenced, the voiceless, they aren't just included, they're empowered. They're given equity and agency. They're not just problems to be managed. They're gifts who have eyes to see what others cannot. Friends, in the kingdom of God, power flows down and out to the margins so that everyone can flourish. Everyone. And so let us receive then everyone as a gift so that we all might become whole and the word of God might spread. Now, until now, um, the track record of those who have power and influence, eh, it's been suspect, <laughs> to say the least. Um, if you look at the religious leaders of Israel, whenever there's some uncomfortable truth that's spoken to them, they tend to ignore it, repress it, threaten the minorities who don't fall in line. Right? They, they consolidate their own power and they control those who destabilize it. But here, here we see a different kind of leadership. When a group of women come to them and say, there is injustice happening here, what do they do? They listen to the women. They listen. They don't defend, I mean, they, they don't do all the things that, that they see other leaders do. They don't do all the other things that are so frequently found in Christian leadership even today. They don't defend the sincerity of their own motives and intentions to exonerate them, themselves. Like, well, we didn't mean to do anything, so why are you hurt? They, they don't tell the women, you've been a problem everywhere you go. It's no wonder nobody wants you. I mean, it's, it, it sounds like a joke, but women have heard this. They don't tell the women... We don't see your ethnicity like we see you just like one of all of us, you know? They don't say to them, stop playing the widow card. They don't say, your complaints are dividing the church. They don't say, well, Jewish widows have it tough too. They don't say, let's take care of this in private. And they don't say, if you want us to listen, you'll need to do these 17 things in order. No exceptions. In other words, the, the apostles, they don't gaslight those who experience hurt and neglect. They don't deflect or justify or rationalize how food is being distributed. They don't silence or sideline those who have brought a critique against them. They don't categorize those who brought the allegations as the problem or the mob so as to sow doubt about the veracity of their complaint. I mean, friend, I... I have a detailed list here because I've, these are tactics I've seen powerful Christians use time and time again. And I myself have guilty, are guilty of more than half of them. The apostles, to their great credit, do none of those things. They simply believed them. They believed these women and said, if you're experiencing injustice that we cannot see, then something must be done about this. That's because the good news today, friends, is that life in the kingdom of God, it, it reckons with our blind spots. And it, and it takes into consideration the way that power is used and misused 
so that in communities where Jesus is Lord, the ignored, the silenced, the voiceless, they aren't just included, they're empowered, they're given equity and agency for their own destiny. They aren't just problems to be managed, they're gifts to be received because they have eyes to see what we cannot. Friends, in the kingdom of of God, power flows down and out to the margins so that all might flourish. Let us receive everyone as a gift so that we might become whole, so the word of God might spread. Now, the leaders believe the perspective of those who suffer, and then what do they do? They empower them to act. This is crazy. So, verse 6, you'd see it if it were up there. Uh, (laughs) They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. The laying on of hands should trigger something in our minds. This is a transfer of official spiritual power from a group of people who have power to a group of people who do not. This isn't just delegating a lesser task to free themselves of a burden. Well, we didn't want to wait on tables anyway. This is authorizing them to take responsibility, to rectify the injustice. Get this by handing the whole system of administration of needs, not just the Hellenistic ones, but the the Judaic ones as well. The whole administration of needs goes to those with the least amount of power because they've been overlooked. This is a recognition that they have better eyesight to see how needs should be met than anybody else in the church because they're at the bottom. Power flows down and out so that everyone might flourish. And this pleased who? The whole group. Everyone's like, yeah, this is a good idea. We should have done this ages ago, right? What we see from the apostles, those who've learned how to lead from Jesus' teaching and example, is that they don't just treat the problem. We need to make sure that people are fed around here, right? That's treating the problem. No, they they don't assume that they are the best ones to even treat the problem. That they have the best vision to see how the needs should be met. And so what they do is they give honor and agency to people who themselves were considered the problem to determine how their own needs might be met. They give the voiceless a voice and the ability to determine their own place. They give equal weight to the ministry of full bellies as they do the ministry of the Word of God. This is remarkable, friends. This is is people who have the ability to say to a man broken on on the sidewalk, get up and walk, who now say to these widows, we trust you, we honor you, we submit to you. We'll receive whatever food you want to give us. In other words, those those who see what others cannot are now empowered to rectify the injustice on behalf of the suffering and oppressed in actual, material, concrete realities of real food so that actual, real people do not go hungry. The spreading of the Word of God after this little uh, story is no accident, friends. This is a radical form of 
social relational connection, of, of empowering the disempowered. And the reason that they display this kind of leadership is because they learned it and observed it from Jesus, right? It's no accident. They've seen it before. Jesus, who leveraged his honor and status as a rabbi and healer to give away to those without, the poor, the children, the tax collectors and sinners, the impure, the demon-possessed, and the sick. Jesus, who listened to and taught and empowered women as disciples and models of faith and who submitted himself to women for his own needs. The apostles are doing the very same thing. The very same thing. That's because life in the kingdom of God, it, it takes seriously the blind spots that all of us have. We all have them. We come into communities with them People came into this first community. We look at this first community and go, oh, it's perfect. Look at it. Perfect. Perfect. Right? No, it wasn't perfect. They had to learn how to love these women that they've never had to love before. And we, we will have to learn this too. If this community where Jesus is Lord is a place for the ignored and the silenced and the voiceless, if 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 those kinds of people will be not just included but empowered, given equity and agency, treated not just as problems but as gifts who have eyes to see what others cannot, then we must receive this good news too. That in the kingdom of God, power flows down and out to the margins so that everyone could flourish. Everyone. So let us receive this good news even as we receive the gift of those who see what we cannot so that all might flourish and the word of God might spread. See, blind spots, as I said, they're inevitable because everyone's perspective is limited to their own experience in the world, right? Nobody is omniperspectival here. Um, And because of this reality, Problems occur. (laughs) Problems occur. Especially when we assume that our perspective is the only valid one. Or if we presume that no one could possibly get hurt just because we do not intend to do them harm. It's not the case with these Jews. Right? They've received harm in the form of hunger and nobody intended to withhold it from them. It just happened because of blind spots. And so what's so challenging for me about Acts 6 isn't just that it, it shows this reality for what it is, but it also demonstrates a kind of leadership and a kind of community that centers the perspective of the marginal. Those who've been hurt by the blind spots of others. It says, you've gone hungry for heaven's sake. So what do you have to say about this? What has this experience been like for you? How would you work to solve this problem if you were in charge and not me? How can we empower you? How can we ordain you with whatever spiritual power we have to transfer into your account so that everyone could flourish? This is is challenging. I almost feel like I shouldn't be giving this message. 
you know? Because if, 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 uh, if blind spots increase with the amount of influence or social capital that you have in a community, that means I'm the one with the most blind spots here. That's what it means. And some of you are nodding your head because like, yeah, you, you have a lot of them. I've talked to you about them. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I almost don't know what to do about this other than to name the fact that just like the apostles uh, don't know what it's like to go hungry like as an ethnic minority widow, I have no idea um, like even how many blind spots I have. I have as many as these men do, if not more. This means that even though I don't intend to do harm, there are probably, likely, many, many people and people groups who've been harmed by either me or people like me or the church itself because we haven't done the work to center their voices and their experiences. I mean, so many various people come to mind. It would take an hour to list them all. So, this is why we need a community. We need a community um, that honors the voiceless. That, that says to everyone, what do you see here? And how do you see it? And how can I benefit from your perspective? So, I, I have several that I could think of. Um, maybe I'll share them as we respond, but... Who are the voiceless that you see? What blind spots are you waking up to um, that only they can help us to reckon with? And here's, here's a further invitation, maybe. If you have eyes to see, if you see injustice, if you see mistreatment, if you see people being overlooked and ignored, if you see blind spots, especially by those with influence, please, please take a risk like the widows did here. Take a risk and let your perspective be known. Be willing to risk your place by having an open dialogue so that we all might learn from your perspective and empower us to make things whole. If, if Luke is right, then the gospel is riding on this. The gospel is riding on it. God is committed to not just his message going forth, but that his message might bring, bring flourishing to everyone. And so if flourishing isn't happening, sometimes the message will suffer in order for the flourishing to return. Friends, I think this is what's happening in America. And, and I, I want to be on the forefront of those who are willing and able to repent, to change our minds, to renew ourselves, to pivot to God's 
perspective in his presence to catch up to what God is doing here and now, not just so that the gospel go forward, but so that as people receive the gospel, they would receive the flourishing that only Jesus can provide. The good news that we proclaim today is that the kingdom of God, it reckons with blind spots and power. And so we must. We must, so that in communities where Jesus is Lord, the ignored, the silenced, the voiceless, they wouldn't just be included but empowered, given agency and dignity. Because they're not just problems to be managed, they're gifts to be received because they have eyes to see what I cannot. In the kingdom of God, power flows down and out to the margins so that all might flourish. So let's receive. Let's receive. Everyone is a gift so that we all might become whole and the word of God might spread. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus who demonstrated a new kind of life and leadership as it relates to power. We thank you that even he had blind spots, times in his life where he was surprised about the audacity of faith of people like women and, and those who were unclean and those who were um, sick. We thank you that he demonstrates a, a, a renewing of his mind to pivot his attention towards those people. He, he centers their experience so that others might see the blind spots in their own lives. And thank God that we see a community in Acts who follows after the leadership of Jesus. It demonstrates what it could look like in real time to put these things into practice. God, would we, would we be the heirs of this community? Would we take seriously how to help everyone flourish? here among us so that your word might go forward and so that all might receive the kingdom of God here and now. We thank you, God, that this is your desire and that we are catching up to you by praying it. So would you come, Lord Jesus, and have your way.